Hi and welcome to Leitrim Daily. It's episode 216 of the show and it is of course on a Friday means that we are previewing the sporting action of the coming weekend. There's a break in the Connacht Gold Senior Football Championship this weekend so no senior or intermediate action ahead of the return of next week's quarterfinals but we do have the final round of the ladies championship this weekend the final round of group games should I say and we're going to have a very special guest from the world of ladies football and we literally mean the world of ladies football we've got plenty to talk about that encompasses both sides of this planet that we live on with Anya Tai later in the program now for the weekend that's in it let's start our roundup of fixtures with a look at the ladies football championship in games across all grades senior intermediate and junior this weekend first up is a repeat of last year's final and that's manor hamilton glencar manor versus st joseph's while st bridget's host kiltubbard and st francis face balnamore shauna heslins all those games thrown in at 11 a.m on sunday morning in the intermediate championship and enough play kildra gales also at 11 a.m while Drummer Hare and St Mary's do battle up north at 3pm in Sunday afternoon. In the Junior Championship, Fianna St Collins play St Joseph's B, while St Francis B and Glencar Manor B will do battle, both of those throw-ins at 4pm in the Junior Championship. So some big games there. In terms of the Senior Championship, a lot of big decisions already decided. Three of the four semi-finalists already known just this weekend's games will decide who finishes where. Balnamore, Sean Hessel is currently on top of the table on seven points alongside St. Joseph's. They will probably secure top spot with a win, depending on how St. Joseph's do. A win for St. Joseph's gives the county board a headache in terms of how they separate them. St. Joseph's will require a win against Glencar Manor and hope that Balnamore slip up against St. Francis to take top spot outright on their own. Manor Hamilton, of course, the same, will require a win and hopeful that Balnamore and Shona Heslins do them a favour. But it may come down to a coin toss. It may come down to some sort of a playoff. Although in the current climate, I can imagine the less games scheduled and the less delays in getting these competitions finished, the better for everybody, clubs, players and the county board in themselves. Uh, again, a lot of the, the big decisions already made in most of these championship games, but some cracking games nonetheless head on Sunday morning. Now before that, on Saturday evening, we have, of course, fixtures in the men's championship at junior A, B and C level. And those games taking place on Saturday and Sunday of this week in the Junior A Football Championship on Saturday evening, all games at 7 p.m. Carrie Gallen play Clune and Glenfire Kilty Clare host Gortletra that game in Ballinaglera again 7 p.m. Throw in while in Group Two of that Junior A Football Championship, St Mary's Kiltarhart host Ahavas at 7 p.m. in Carrick and Shannon, while Anaduff and Ahawillan will meet in Anaduff at 7 p.m. In the Junior B Football Championship in Group Two, one game on Saturday evening as well. Neighbours Mohol play Fina in Park Philly McGuinness at 7pm on Saturday evening. Now on Sunday we also have some Junior B and C championship games taking place. Alan Gales and St Mary's do battle 1.30 in Drumshambo while in the Junior B championship group 3 Melvin Gales and Manor Hamilton will do battle. So two big local derbies there really throwing back the years at junior level in terms of the Junior B championship and then two games finally to round off the Junior C championship. In group 1 it's Ahavas and Mohol uh, all these games of Sunday at 1.30 in the afternoon and Drumahair, Neporek, Drumahair and Bornacula at 1.30 in St. Osnitz on Sunday. So uh, four games on Sunday afternoon, 1.30, 
five games on Saturday evening, all at junior A, B and C level. And of course, unfortunately, all of these games to be behind closed doors. We had, of course, heard from the county board who had made the decision to to do this before the government enforced lockdown on sports last weekend. It's very disappointing, I suppose, from the club's point of view, from family members' point of view and supporters' point of view. But I think given the current climate, I think it's something that we all have to appreciate is being done in the interest of our I suppose in the interest of of, of our all our health and all our wealth going forward in the in the long run. So um, not not everyone's happy about it, and that's completely understandable. But we are where we are, and I suppose it's a case of hopefully we all get through this safe and sound, and we can enjoy many many more days on sidelines cheering on our supporters and cheer our supporting should I say our players and fans and family over the course of the next few years now there are some other games taking place over the weekend particularly in soccer where manor rangers face their biggest clash of the week because they've had big clashes every week for the last four or five weeks since they came back but it is the Glasshouse cup final and they face Cartran in mcsherry park in sligo at 7:45 on saturday evening so the very very best of luck to all the folks involved with manor rangers Hopefully they will finish what has been a, a pretty good year with a little bit of silverware. I know they'll be eager to do that, to bring it back to Manor and have something to show for their fantastic efforts this season. There's also a bit of soccer on a national level over the course of the next 24 hours. Tomorrow evening at 7.45 in the showgrounds, Niall Moran and his Sligo Riverside resurgent. Three wins out of four in the last couple of weeks has put them back in the mix in the yes, SSE Electricity League Premier Division. They absolutely pulled it out of the fire last week in injury time to beat Waterford after being 1-0 down from the first half. So, fantastic result for Sligo Rovers. They now host managerless Dundalk as they decide what they're going to do over the next couple of weeks in terms of replacing Vinnie Perth, who was sacked by the club yesterday after their poor display in Europe during the week. So, they are the visitors. On normal circumstances, a daunting task for Sligo given the the gulf between the two sides but Dundalk are in a particularly low patch at the moment and who knows maybe it could be a fourth win in five for Liam Buckley and his side the best look to Niall and the Sligo Rovers side in that particular game on the women's side of the house of course we can't forget them it's a women's friendly show this week as it is most weeks but particularly women friendly this week Piedmont United they play Bohemians tomorrow at 2pm Bohemians of course in their first ever women's national league campaign they're a brand new club set up at senior level uh, Dervla will be playing for Pima to our top of the league and haven't even conceded a goal in their opening two games. A 5-0 win and a 3-0 win so far. They will be favourites going into that game. Champions against a brand new side. Uh, people will be expecting a fairly straightforward victory for Pima in that particular game. But let's start with our guest today, and of course, it is Anya Tai, who most listeners at this stage will be well aware has had an odyssey down under. Anya, you're very welcome to the programme. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Now, the last time we had you was literally the day before you left. You were sitting in that very chair talking to us about the the potential and the anticipation of what was to come. Um, First of all... we know there was an injury involved, so we won't necessarily focus on that just yet. We, but let's talk to us about that initial maybe couple of weeks pre-season and, and the experience of being a full-time athlete down under. Yeah, no, I suppose it, it probably lived up to all the expectations that you would have had going over uh, in terms of the professionalism, the setup, the facilities, um, the girls and the team themselves. They were you know, enormously welcoming and just made you feel right at home straight away. 
Um, but yeah, the, the chance to train and play at that level was just really, really enjoyable. You get to push yourself and challenge yourself. And yeah, absolutely just lived up to, to all the expectations and, and everything you had been promised, really. And then I suppose disaster struck very early into your journey. Yeah, um, I suppose I was lucky enough. I got pretty much the whole preseason under my belt. Um, had played a couple of games. We had a, a challenge match against um, West Coast Eagles the week before, and had kind of really enjoyed that. And that was the first kind of proper uh, hit out, I suppose, against you know quality opposition at that level. Um, so it was nice to get at least that under my belt. And yeah, it was the second second challenge match then against Adelaide, where unfortunately, um, yeah, picked up a, an ACL injury, but. Um, yeah, I still, I suppose, even throughout the season after that, I, I was able to learn a huge amount in terms of the game styles, tactics, kind of set up. And yeah, I was still, still able to get a huge amount from the experience um, even after that. In terms of the actual injury, what damage did you do, did you do to yourself? How did it happen? Uh, yeah, so it happened just, uh, I was going up for a, a ball at a boundary throw in uh, in the ruck and just, just whatever way I landed, um, the knee gave way. So ruptured the ACL uh, and had a small bit of meniscus damage on either side as well but um, was very good was able to get in for a scan with the club the next day met the surgeon during the week and and he was able to because I I suppose the the ACL was ruptured but the knee itself was still in pretty good nick um, outside of that so I was able to get in for surgery pretty much straight away and that meant you're on the road to recovery you know as quickly as possible as well so it gives you a bit of a bit of helping hand in the long run too. And of course, this all happened at the end of last year, so at the very start of this year is that's kind of the year turned. Yeah. Um, what's the current situation? Yeah, I'm well on the road to recovery at this stage. Um, so just over six months, I think, post surgery now. Um, and yeah, back, back running, um, back doing an awful lot in terms of jumping, landing, uh, starting to change direction very shortly. And yeah, hopefully, all all is going to plan so far. So fingers crossed. By the time preseason comes around, start of November, we'll be we'll be good to go again. In terms of local, I suppose, interest, obviously a huge member of Kiltubbard over the last decade or so. Any chance you might recover quick enough to, to give them a helping hand <laughs> in this year's championship? I don't Should the rest of their community be worried? <laughs> I don't think this year. Uh, there can be a bit of slagging, all right, because I'm doing most of my training down at the same time as the girls would be. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm down and around them and helping out in any way I can, but uh, I don't think I'll be back on the pitch to help them just this year. In terms of the social aspect of that, because you mentioned that your trainings are at the same time, like is that a huge loss when you're on your own maybe doing your own schedule when the rest of the team are doing things together as a group is it yeah. easy to still be part of that or, or do you feel a little bit left out uh, I think it kind of depends on the group um even over over in Fremantle before you know obviously during the season there was a couple of us that were injured but the girls on, on both sides both here and over there really just make you feel a part of it and and yeah it for me, I didn't find it, you know, isolating or anything else. I just still get in and get involved in as much as you can and then put your head down and do your own work when that time comes as well. But no, it's nice to be able to still be involved in, in both sides, really. I suppose everybody knows what training looks like when you're part of that team. But what does training look like when you're on your own? Like, is it just you and a physio and maybe an exercise bike and that? And that's kind of it, really? Yeah, so I suppose a lot of the start of my rehab or when I was kind of kicking the first couple of months um, was during lockdown over in, over in Australia too so we just turned our garage uh, into a gym really and was working a lot there and a lot just one on one with our strength and conditioning coach up in her she has a gym out the back of her house as well so yeah it's a lot of assault bikes and yeah jumping landing just yeah strength work gym work but to be honest, I, I enjoy that side of it. I enjoy the gym I always have, so it's not something that I dread doing or anything. It's just I know I have to do it, and I enjoy it as much as I can when I'm there and, and then get on to the next session. 
how have you found are you talking about outdoor gyms and stuff now i know people have been fairly creative in terms of how their gym works my own nephew has an outdoor gym at the back of the yard yeah. but there's a big difference in doing having an outdoor gym in leitrim and having one in, <laughs> in the west coast of australia um, in terms of the the weather and all that sort of stuff how has it yeah. been like kind of re-assimilating back into the the lovely storm ellen and stuff that's yeah, been yeah, this yeah. Week? summer i was sending them a video the other day of yeah a wonderful summer day and the rain pouring down but uh no it's like once you're back it, it feels like you've never left really um we were lucky enough got a couple of good days over the last couple of weeks and we got a few adventures in but yeah it's like it's something you get used to really i think once you're based here and yeah you'd miss the rain sometimes too over there now of course there's you're not the only one on that kind of odyssey down under from the world of women's football there's been 18 players last year there's going to be 18 players at least this year uh, already signed up with 11 clubs there's a Dublin invasion in Melbourne they're, they're following Jim Steins many many years later yeah. um, there's a couple of girls over with Fremantle as well I know Kate Flood from Louth is signed up for this season uh, in terms of the 18 girls going over there is that something that has become a realistic option for, for the girls here and, and would you I suppose be pro it or against it taking everything in, in consideration yeah I think it's a massive opportunity I suppose this year with you know, Covid and restrictions in terms of travel I think that has probably um, maybe put some people off or reduced the numbers of, of new girls that could have potentially gone over but um, it's definitely look to get the opportunity to train as a professional athlete uh, in in the facilities that are there with the support systems that are there not only on the field but off the field as well in terms of personal development and and training and everything like that I think it's something that yeah you couldn't begrudge any player if they got the opportunity to to go to experience it and and yeah take everything you can from it because there's some big names on that list as well like you've got as I mentioned the Dublin trio that's Sinead Goldrick Neve McAvoy and uh, and now newly this week I think there was a, a new girl named I can't remember her name yeah, off Lauren head. McGee yeah. that's right um, who's Johnny McGee's daughter which is kind of scary making you feel <laughs> really old uh, but in terms of of that how how easy is it to adapt to that game because it's a different ball there's a lot of similarities in the physicality and the speed and the pace of it Yeah. but the, it's a different ball fundamentally it's a different scoring system Absolutely, yeah. How do you get your head around that? There's, I think, I, sometimes it depends on the position. So I was lucky enough, I played a lot in the mid last year and the transition there was a little bit easier because it's very similar in terms of transitioning the ball from defence to attack. You know, sitting back if we're defending and then getting the opportunity to go forward. Um, that's very similar. I know for the defenders, a lot of the girls that have gone out and played as defenders have really settled in straight away. The likes of Sinead Goldrick, like you said, Ellen Gilroy had a phenomenal year last year too, playing off that half-back role. And you'll kind of notice a lot of the, the lads that go over as well, they kind of slot into that wing-back or half-back role because that's really, really similar to um, the role they'd play over here. Um, but, you know, I think once you're out in the field, your instincts kind of kick in and take over. And um, sometimes the less you kind of think and worry about all the differences, the easier it is. You just you just look for the ball and play ball the same as you would any other sport, really. Now, you talk about comparing boys and girls out there, and the big difference, in my opinion, looking at the game is that in the women's game over there, it's full contact. Where I know yeah. there's a lot of contact in the women's game here, but it is supposed to be non-contact, and it gets yeah. penalised. How much of a of a realization of, of oh god, I'm going to get really hit here? It, it comes in, or or does that even bother you? Because I think at that stage you're well used to taking a few knocks. On the yeah, pitch. yeah. No, I think that's it. I think once you're in it and you're obviously braced for contact, you know contact is coming, then it's fine. It's, it's if you ever get hit without that uh, that kind of warning that you you get a bit of a jolt. But no, that was actually one aspect that I really liked and really enjoyed because the rule is very clear cut and straightforward. A tackle is a tackle, and 
I think over here there's an awful lot of um, kind of variance between at different levels you're playing and different referees and even different sizes of players. Sometimes you'll get pulled or sometimes you know somebody won't get pulled. Whereas over there, doesn't matter size, shape, height, anything. Once you do a tackle correctly, it's a tackle and you get rewarded for it or you get pinged for it. So now that was something that I actually really enjoyed over there. What was the biggest difference on the pitch for you between the two sports? Um probably I maybe like the, the kind of speed of movement so sometimes because um, the skill level maybe isn't quite as high as the men's in that over there the ball will get kind of stuck in an, an awful lot or it can depending on the opponent and depending on the game and there'd be repeat stoppages so with Gaelic it's obviously free-flowing all the time you're up and down the field there's very little chance to actually get a break and set up a structure whereas over there it's anytime the ball is stopped or the umpire has to throw it in it's all about well let's get our structure set up and let's get in position and we get a kind of chance to restart again now so yeah that maybe stop start nature compared to the free-flowing um, type that Gaelic football is is probably the biggest biggest difference. And is it, I know we talk about down under, but is it the same, just flipped, that throw in is actually a throw down, that you bounce it, and then, you, or is that how it uh, works? With the boys it is, but with the with the women's AFL, they actually throw it up in the air all the time, which is a little bit easier, because when they bounce it off the ground, it can yeah. go anywhere. So <laughs> We've all seen yeah, that, we've yeah. all seen that. How's, how are you looking forward to going back to Australia? Because obviously you go back, you won't play any sport here, competitively at least, so you, there's very little risk of injury from sport over yeah. the next few weeks, you're just doing your... Re- prehab and your rehab from the injury and into the preseason. What what's the timeline on that? When do you go back? When do the game start? Yeah, so um hoping to head back in the middle of October. Um preseason starts the start of November. Uh, and then there's a run through until generally the end of January, start of February. So I think the first round of games are the weekend of the ninth starting the ninth of February um over there. So be a, you'll get a kind of decent chance to get get a good preseason in, get a couple of practice matches and challenge matches in normally the couple of weeks before the season starts, and then uh, it's into nine rounds week after week from there. And are you in a, a good mental space to go back into that? Like because obviously sometimes come back from an ACL, it can be. Uh, you've had injuries before though. You've had like long term injuries before. Yeah. How does how's the mind when you're coming back and you're looking at a girl coming at you? Um, how's the mind on that? I know it's quite hard to ask that question. You're smiling. Yeah, at me now, yeah. But... No, I, I suppose I'd be quite stuff like that. Kind of wouldn't really bother me too much, or I wouldn't get too worried about stuff like that. I, I like once you can go back out jumping and hopping. I'm like, oh great, that's another thing I can do, and I can incorporate that more into my training. And once you reintroduce the change of direction again, you're kind of you're buzzing because it's positive. It's you know it's another step you can take, and you're getting cl- closer and closer to actually back training in the field with the girls and back playing games. So now I love that every every little box you take and milestone you hit that you're making progress. You're getting back to what you want to do at the end of the day, which is play the game. So yeah, I, I kind of I wouldn't really have too many reservations. In terms of another, I suppose, concern that you might have, and I don't want to focus on negatives, but like obviously this is now your career. This pays the bills. This puts a roof over your head. Like, is that in the back of your mind when you pick up an injury like that? Does that come into it at all? Or how, how quick in the process do you realise, oh, hang on a minute, my, my contract for next year might not be there when this falls through? Yeah, I suppose it depends on every every player's scenario and situation is different. Um, I was very lucky. I had a support to the club from where it go uh, in terms of, both kind of helping and we had a bit of employment outside of the football over there as well so we did a bit of coaching in schools and things so that obviously helped as well um but yeah I suppose I, I was quite comfortable with the conversations I had with the club and the confidence that they had in me um to obviously resign again and yeah I, I guess it is a little bit different when when it has that professionalism attached to it but um yeah I suppose I'm lucky enough I, I have my teaching degree to fall back on and 
yeah, a couple of different options. So look, I just want to enjoy it for as long as I can, make the most of it, and then yeah, come back to reality whenever that ends. <laughs> well, you say come back to reality. Could reality be in the west coast of Australia? Could Perth or Fremantle hold a, an attraction for you long term? Yeah, who knows? Um, I guess, I suppose, once I get back out next season and hopefully get a full season under my belt and, and see how it goes and take it from there. But, yeah, I've kind of no no definite plans for for anything yet. In terms of that actual trip across the, the world, I suppose, how daunting is that? Uh, you've done it once, you're going back again. Like, is it Does it become kind of more normal for you now at this stage that that's kind of a second home for you? Yeah, it probably does. Um, as I said, kind of at the start, the fact that the girls were so welcoming and the club in general really just made us feel at home from from word go. Um, it makes that journey, I suppose, a little bit easier going back out again because you know what you're what you're getting yourself into, really. Um, and I'm quite lucky. I have family. My cousin Brian is based over there um, with his wife, and he just had a little baby there at the start of the year too. So it's nice that you have that little connection over there too. That like that, if things aren't going well, or or if you if you want family, that it's still there that you can kind of nip up the road and have a chat and a cup of and I get a bit of Irish in over there as well. How long term is this whole situation? Because you look at some people, and uh, one girl on the list of this 18, as I'm looking here, obviously Sarah Rowe from, um, from Mayo, obviously she's a very high profile relationship. So her boyfriend is here in Ireland, of course, yeah. Rugby International, Sean O'Brien. Um, is it a one year thing? So if a girl is approached to go out there, for example, is it a one year thing where you go, I'll go for a year and see what happens? Or do you think longer term? Like, are you thinking, this is my age, I've probably got X amount of seasons in me. Is that the plan or do you genuinely take it one season at a time? I suppose it's contract to contract really. Yeah, that's it. I think, again, it, it's hugely dependent on the club and the individual player. Um, and again, as you said, the season that you've had. Um, but I think a lot of the girls, especially, I guess, at the beginning, were going out in terms of with a very open mind to see what the experience was like, what you could take from it. And, and if it was like that worthwhile going back and for a second and third season and I think a lot of the girls that went out there, um, you know, initially after core the year after, so the likes of Yvonne Bonner, Ashmack, um, they're they're all still out there. So I think that I suppose tells a tale in terms of the value that they're still getting from the experience. And yeah, if, if the clubs are still obviously interested and want to offer girls a contract, they seem very keen to to stick at it while they can. Is it something that maybe if a girl is says? 17, 18, 19 or maybe just in college a year or two to go and looking for that experience of travelling is this an option for them to, to in terms to maybe see a bit of Australia see a lot of Australia how much of Australia do you actually get to see though because yeah. like, people have this fascination about sport and I suppose I've had a bit of experience at international sport in terms of world student games and literally for me it was a bedroom an office and very little sport yeah. in terms of your own experience has it just been I'm here to do a job I get off the flight, go to the stadium, we do the warm-up, we play the game, we get back on the flight, we've gone home. Yeah, well, there's a little bit of flexibility, I guess. I was lucky enough, obviously, over in, based in Western Australia, we got to, to travel a bit between trainings. So if you had a couple of days between trainings, you could head off and go down south or, you know, explore kind of some of the, the touristy areas. Um, and then with any interstate trips, so we'd be playing games interstate nearly every second weekend. Um, clubs are, again, quite flexible, so if... if training didn't clash and if you wanted to spend an extra day or two in Melbourne or in Sydney uh, or in Brisbane and once you were back for training on the following Monday or Tuesday or whenever it was then they're generally happy enough to accommodate that so there definitely is an opportunity Um, it probably depends on fixtures and club to club but 
yeah, for, for any girl that's heading out, absolutely. If, if you want to see Australia, there surely will be an opportunity, yeah. You say down south, and of course, south of Perth is very little, but Margaret River is down there, Augusta yeah. is down there, there's a few of the nice places. Where are the places outside of sport that you got to see during that short period? Because I suppose it only really was a couple of weeks in the grand scheme of things that you could go unassisted or unaided by crutches or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, yeah, we um, did a bit of travelling down south. So like you said, down as far as Margaret River, um, stopped in at a couple of the yeah wine uh, wine tours and chocolate factories and everything like that uh, along the way. Uh, went up to Lanson and then up north, so there's kind of sand dunes and things like that as well up there. So, yeah, and just explored really all around Perth and there's, there's plenty of hikes, um, kind of hills, beaches the whole way down you couldn't couldn't run out of beaches so yeah just I suppose tried to we tried to fit in as much as we could when we were over there and, and see as much as we could yeah Margaret River it's a nice cycle from Perth <laughs> uh, in terms of uh, in terms of I suppose the future you're back here for the next few months anyway at least and and you've been at I know I've met you at a couple of your your club's games how much have you enjoyed being at the games or is it frustrating not to be able to kind of tug out and help out the girls yeah, no, like you just obviously have to have to go with it if the, if that's the way it is. Um, but no, it's been nice to nice to be able to help out and, and see the girls and like that. Once you're on the sideline, you're kind of trying to coach or help, especially the younger girls in any way you can. So it's nice to have that opportunity that you don't always get, I suppose, when you're when you're in the thick of it and, and training and playing away. What's the mood like in Kiltober? Because I suppose it's been a difficult enough year, only one win so far. Yeah. Uh, I was at that game up in Drumshambo a few weeks ago against uh, St. Francis. Uh, so what's the mood like in the camp? Obviously, Bridges has come this week, which yeah. going on form, people would be banking on, on yourselves winning that game and securing that semi-final spot. So what's, again, for the third time, what's the mood <laughs> in the camp? Yeah, look, the girls are just, they're just putting their heads down and working away, really. Um Obviously, yeah, we've we've probably lost five or six guards from the panel last year for various different reasons. So it's a bit of a bit of a turnover. But I think the the energy and the enthusiasm that the younger girls coming up have brought, and you know, they've really stepped into the the breach kind of over the last. I've noticed it massively since I've been home over the last couple of months, and um, just the maturity that they're bringing and the confidence that that they've kind of grown over the last twelve months to step into those shoes, um, I think has been massive. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of really enjoying looking at that. And yeah, the girls are they are just putting their heads down, getting the work done and, and looking forward to taking on St. Bridges the weekend. Obviously, as you said, St. Bridges have their own troubles this year in terms of their brand new club come out of Ahuillen and again, they're rebuilding massively yeah. and have struggled at this level. In terms of the other three teams that we haven't mentioned, and they're Glencar Manor, St. Joseph's, the champions, obviously, and also Balmore, Sean Heslins, who have come from a reasonably disappointing year last year. They got to semi-final, but were beaten well yeah. to really be in the mix this year. Uh, you're fourth in that group. Yeah. Uh, but realistically, can you live with them when it comes to the semi-final stage? Is that a, an ambition for Kiltobert? Oh, absolutely. Look, I think that one of the great things about the Leitrim Ladies Championship over the last probably 10 or 12 odd years is how competitive it is and come semi-final weekend there's always you know only a kick of a ball or two between any of the teams so um, yeah look we've obviously in the past we've been very competitive and been able to hold our own with those teams so yeah I think the girls will obviously hopefully try and make sure and get the win this weekend get over that that hurdle and then be looking forward to and in a one-off game against any of those three opponents you know you, you set up your game plan and you, you put a plan in place and yeah you'd absolutely hope to be competitive and on the day who knows what can happen you don't know who you're going to play in that semi-final and I'm talking yeah. as if you've won the game on Sunday yeah. apologies to St Bridget's I shouldn't be so dismissive but just given the, the form I suppose we'll make that assumption in this instance 
you don't know who to play it because you don't know who to be top of that group. All three of them, you've already seen this season. Yeah. They've won those encounters. But can there be a surprise? Because it would require a fairly big improvement in Kiltobert maybe to get to that stage. Yeah, no, absolutely. But look, that has to be that has to be the aim and that has to be the target, really. Um, I think, yeah, even previous encounters in previous years, people have gone into games as hot favourites and been turned over. So, yeah, I think you'd never never write off any team the same way we'll obviously approach St Bridges at the weekend as a must-win game and, you know, absolutely take nothing for granted on that side of it either. In terms of the championship, you've seen most of the teams now at this stage on yeah. par St Bridges. Who's impressed you the most? Uh, yeah, I think like you said, uh, Ballinamore have really built on. You know, they've they've been up and playing senior in terms of league and championship for the last couple of years, and I think they've they've kind of taken that experience. And, and it always does take a couple of years of playing at that level to really make the step up. But um, yeah, this year they've they've seemed to really you know take it to the next level, which has been great. And the confidence that they'll get from from those victories against Manor and even the draw against St Joseph's will be huge for them. Um, Manor, they've just been up and coming for the last couple of years. You know, I think they're they're just bubbling and bubbling and ready to explode onto the scene and and really, you know, just take that senior crown. I know it's something they're really um, adamant adamant to do over the next couple of years. So, yeah, and look like St Joseph's, you can never write them off. They've been champions the last three years. So, you know, nobody's going to go into any game against St Joseph's. Um, you know, without being fully ready and fully prepared, and, and know they're going to have a battle on their hands. So, I think it's yeah, it is. It's definitely really exciting because, like I said, there's absolutely nothing between any of the teams, and and I know especially those three teams. I think they'll all think they have a real crack at, at winning it, and and feel that they should, and rightly so. What do you think the secret is? Because as you said, there is a, a kind of a rolling pattern to who wins championships in this county. St Joseph's have won it, have just kept off Manor Hamilton over the last few years. Yeah. Manor Hamilton are probably a, a coming team, as are Ballinamore. But before St Joseph's, you had a period of dominance for a couple of years in Kiltubbard. Before that, you would have had Mull were quite strong. And then you yeah. had Drumahair were there, thereabouts for a few years. Hoelan obviously through the the nineties and noughties won nearly everything. Um, and yeah. Clune I know appeared in a senior championship, won one of them at one stage along the way as well. So there's been a nice spread of the, the football across the county. What do you put that down for to in terms of is it maybe how clubs are structured, a good cluster of players coming together or or how does that work? Yeah, I think especially with ladies football, I suppose there's always such a turnover of players for various reasons. People are, you know, even girls going to college and then moving away for work people having kids there's always a, a turnover and I think that generally the groups will stay together for a period of time and then that sort of change will happen so I think that probably kind of kickstarts maybe the the turnovers across a couple of the years but yeah absolutely I think the underage structures and setups that have been put in place over over the last maybe eight ten years have been massive and you can see that in the group that obviously Manor have have brought together all the way up you can see it in the young girls coming up in Ballinamore and St Francis even our own girls you know we haven't massive numbers but there is a group there that have came all the way up and and have got that coaching and that training all the way up and I think that's definitely massive once once they get the experience of playing senior football and probably more importantly get used to winning at that level then it's it's very hard to to kind of break that chain once you get used to an experience playing and used to winning then then you're on a roll i suppose over the last 10 years um no Leitrim team has kind of been uh, without you over the last few years up to last season and Leitrim have had their struggles in the recent years it's been well documented we've talked about here in the show but this year at uh, pre-covid the, the indications and the, the signals were really really positive from a uh, 
good young manager Hugh Donnelly came in yeah. it was a really big squad of players it was competition for places there was a real attitude about we're going to go and do something this year unfortunately that's kind of been put to the side because of COVID but that's yeah. outside of everyone's control is that an attractive scenario for you to maybe realistically come up against the AFL or is the, the women's AFL priority number one would you consider coming back if, if everything was right in, in the game Oh, absolutely, yeah. Look, the the way the season is structured at the moment, um, and you'll see an awful lot of the girls that are going over, they're going over, they'll play the AFL season and then come back and play an inter-county championship. And yeah, that was massively encouraging to see the impact and the difference that that professionalism that, that Hugh obviously brought made in terms of not only, you know, structures, but standards, expectations, like you said, getting 30, 40 girls out consistently, you know, just having that that setup of a certain level, it just changes the game completely. So, yeah, it's absolutely brilliant to see to see that happening. Um, and hopefully, yeah, fingers crossed they can keep it together and, and keep building because we've, we've said it over the years, there's been massive talent coming through at underage level. And if you can actually build that and bring them into a really professional, you know, setup with excellent standards and expectations and, and ambitions, then, you know, there's no reason why Leitrim can't be hugely competitive. Of course, it must be said that that appointment was made on the foot of some very good work by the officers of Leitrim County Board through last year, fundraising and putting those structures yeah. in place and, yeah. and fair play to people who kind of kept it alive to give it that opportunity to grow back again. Well, Anya, thanks very much for dropping into us. I know you're in the middle of prehab and rehab <laughs> and it's all kind of go for you at the moment and you're kind of working out logistics of, of being at home and being in Australia and all yeah, that things yeah. that go with it. So I know you're a busy, busy girl, but thank you so much for dropping into us. And no the very best luck to Kiltober on Sunday uh, to cover for the rest of the championship I, I know it's a daunting task I didn't ask you who, which of the three would you least like to play in a semi-final <laughs> who are you hoping that's, secretly that's a tricky I, I, to be honest I don't think it really matters because I think if it's a one-off game you just you know you'll, you'll get you'll get up for it yeah and you'll get yeah you'll get your motivation there and you know we've played all three several times over the last couple of years be it league or championship so yeah, I don't really think it matters, but I think, yeah, hopefully hopefully we'll be in a position to get one of the three and, and then, yeah, put a plan in place. Well, listen, the very, very best luck to you uh, as you go for that semi-final spot on Sunday morning to you and your teammates. Of course, you won't be on the pitch, but you'll be there in spirit and kicking every ball with them. <laughs> Thanks very much for dropping in and the very best luck to you for the, for the season ahead, wherever that may be, whatever side of the planet that's going to be on. <laughs> Absolutely, thank you. Now tomorrow evening in the let me start that. Now tomorrow evening in, in McSharry Park in Sligo sees the final of the Glasshouse Hotel Cup, and of course Manor Hamilton Rangers will be one half of the fixture. They play Cartron in their last game of the season, and what they hope will bring a little bit of silverware back after a fantastic season so far this year. I'm joined by their manager Thomas McDonald for probably the last time of the season. Thomas, you must be fairly excited going into this final tomorrow evening. Yeah, yes, definitely. Yeah, we're we are very excited now. It, it has been a a good season so far, and it would be nice to finish it off with a wee bit of silverware. But um, to, to get that silverware, we're going to have to have a serious battle with uh, Cartron, who the same as, as ourselves have had a, a, a successful season. So it'll be nothing easy tomorrow. In terms of the season, I know it's probably a few days early to be looking at back at the full season, but there must be a tinge of disappointment in what might have been when you came back after the break after the lockdown. Yeah, look, it started off with the game against Carberry, a draw. We we were pushing for a win, but we we, we didn't get it. But uh, it was still all to play for. 
But what happened there is um, just the fixtures, uh, they were coming hot and heavy with Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday game. And we picked up uh, a few injuries, I suppose, along the way. And uh, it caught up with us eventually. Um, and uh, we ended up losing a game or two. But we finished the season strong with uh, two good wins against Strand and Murville. And we uh, held on to our second place uh, in the table finish. Yeah, always nice. Bad. Always nice to get at least the runners-up medal at the end of it, because it would have been an awful shame to have dropped at a further point, further down the table into third spot. In terms of that, the team who did finish in third place are your opponents tomorrow night. How are you fixed? Because it's probably your third or fourth time playing them this year. Yeah, this will be our third time playing them now. Uh, we bet them in the home fixture, and they bet us in the away fixture. So it's uh, one all at the moment, I suppose. And uh, this is the cup final now tomorrow to winner takes all. How are your team faring out? What, any injury worries, any concerns going into the 90 minutes tomorrow night? Um, there had been a few uh, slight niggles, but uh, I think most lads now at this stage uh, have gotten a bit of extra rest, recovery, and uh, have the bodies ready. So I'm uh, hoping I'll have a 100% uh, team available. In terms of the actual event, though, a cup final is nearly special by the the occasion as much as anything else. No supporters in McSharry Park tomorrow night. I know Manor have been getting some pretty good crowds this season. A couple of hundred wouldn't be unheard of for some of your bigger games. Is it a disappointment that people won't get to go, or, or kind of what's your what's your opinion on the whole yeah. situation? Yeah, it's it's very disappointing because uh, up until a few days ago we thought. Uh, there was going to be the 200 people allowed at the game. Um, we were allocated um, 70 tickets, Carton with it, 70, and then I suppose your, your players, officials, there, the rest. But uh, uh, our tickets were sold out, and uh, now all of a sudden um, nobody can come to the game. But um, in the background, uh, we've had a, uh, a few people um, organising a, a live stream and maybe a bit of commentary. So anyone who can't get into the game, uh, we'll be able to to watch it on the Manor Rangers uh, live stream, so uh, it, it's it's something in place at least. Yeah, it's good to have some sort of fallback option for family and friends who want to support the club. What's the mood in the club? I suppose again, we talk about the disappointment of missing out on the league title, but this this chance to finish a season with a bit of silverware. It's not all that common around Manor Hamilton that you you get into these situations to bring cups home, despite how good you've been in recent years. Yeah, yeah. In the last couple of years, we we have been in the cup final, and uh, we have uh, brought the trophy home uh, a few years, not that long ago, in the last couple of seasons. Last season, we were in the cup final against Carberry, and uh, a disappointing loss after extra time. So um, again, we just want to make sure tomorrow that um, in those ninety minutes or whatever length of time it takes, that uh, we give everything we have and. Uh, try and bring that uh, trophy home with us. Well, listen, the very, very best luck from all of us here in Leitrim Daily to all of you up there in Manor Rangers because we've been loved following your journey through the season and uh, wish you the very best luck and hopefully we've a, a little cherry on top to, to celebrate after the weekend with a, a nice trophy home in Manor Hamilton tomorrow evening. That's, uh, that's all right. Uh, thanks, Bethany. Cheers.
And that, folks, is all we have time for today. Thank you very much to my guest today for today's show, Anya Tai. Thank you for dropping in, Anya. No problem. And uh, the very best luck to all those who are taking part in the Junior Championship and the Ladies' Championships at all levels across the weekend. Uh, the very best of luck to everybody. And we will be with you on Monday with a roundup of all of those competitions. Talk to you then. <laughs>